Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Whistling in the Dark. I'm Patrick Bradley. Today is Saturday, July 14th. 2018. Uh, this is episode 12. Um, so I got a bunch of topics today, and uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to really go through the news sort of just off the cuff. I've been, um, you know, I, I uh, started off doing a lot more episodes, and um, uh, just lately I've just had a lot of things going on after work at night, and uh, it's been sort of hard to get to get to an episode during the week, my um, I, I really hope to at least do you know one episode during the week and and you know one on the weekends. But I guess bare minimum, I'd like to do I will do a weekly. <clears throat> um, so sort of throughout this week, I just have a bunch of chaotic notes about things I've seen and different thoughts I've had. Um, so I'm gonna go through them and. Um, you know, so it's sort of the news as it uh, kind of happened through this week. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about was just a thought I've had. You know, um, this isn't really connected to anything specific, uh, but I, you know, um, I've I've thought a lot about over the years. Um, you know how it's just you know it's amazing that they're able to sort of keep. Like, how does the population stay so sort of neatly divided? You know, um, I mean, you bring in somebody like Trump. I mean, how doesn't that just like totally explode whatever um, sort of, you know, equilibrium that was formed? And, um, you know, I, I started really looking at these issues, you know, like abortion, abortion in, in particular is, you know, a really, really hard issue. I think, um, I, I don't, you know, it's, it's something that, and and I've talked about this before, but you know, there it's, it's kind of like the definition of life, you know, needs to be worked out before, you can really, <clears throat> you know, really lay down the wall. And, um, you know, that's really up in the air at this point, you know, like when is a human being a human being? Um, so, you know, so that to me, I, I thought of that, oh, well, issues like that are are good because, um, you know, they're really, they, they sort of, I, I feel like they must be like researching this shit or, you know, maybe it just comes just naturally, uh, just through their work in propaganda that they kind of, you know, keep tabs and, and they can tell, you know what I mean? When people are really, really, um, passionate and divided and then they, they kind of stick with it. So, um, I, uh, thought um i don't know so I, i've thought about that right like how, and how do they how, i don't know just how, how do they pull this off 
And um, maybe this doesn't seem as profound, but uh, the other day it popped in my head that the key to enabling all this to happen is that they that there are really no fundamental um, sort of driving philosophy behind either the left or the right um, or Republicans or Democrats. I mean, I guess I guess that would be really the thing that lasts. Um, you know, it's the Republicans and the Democrats that have really been around. I think uh, which side is liberal change, you know, um, because most of the, um, you know, uh, freeing the slaves, things like that was actually done by the Republicans, you know. So, I mean, I guess back then, you know, they would have had to be considered, uh, you know, more liberal. Uh, anyway, so, you know, it's really just about that about, you know, the two parties and, you know, they call it the duopoly and sort of maintaining, maintaining that dominance and that control. And I think that because they don't really have, you know, the Republicans or, nor the Democrats, they don't have any really solid um, defined philosophical, uh, you know, underpinnings to to their stances that they are able to just always constantly react and adjust um whereas you know a libertarian we you know uh, sure there's like room for debate and stuff but i think like one of the cool things about a libertarian is that you don't really need to be told by your libertarian leaders how to uh, feel about a certain topic. Uh, you can sort of argue it from, you know, starting with like the non-aggression principle or, you know, property rights and that sort of thing. Like once you believe in that um, and, and it's, you know, these very sort of simple, clear uh, planks, you know, that, that we, we sort of build our foundation on top of, then, you know, the, the, it's almost like sort of deterministic then the rest of our positions, um, you know, and there are some certainly, it, you know, it, it is a little more complicated than that, but compared to what the Democrats or Republicans are dealing with, I mean, uh, you know, the, war you know in the middle east is probably the most stark example to me at least recently um right i mean are if you voted for hillary clinton i mean you you know you cannot be anti-war you I, I mean it's just i mean you can say anything you want uh but you're not anti-war not not in reality you know um I mean, I can, you know, kill somebody and then say I'm not a murderer. And, you know, I can say that till the end of my days, but I'm a murderer. And if you voted for Hillary Clinton, you are pro-war for sure. I mean, you're you're certainly not anti-war. I mean, maybe pro-war is a little extreme. Maybe we'll reserve that for the, you know, neocons. Um, but, you know, the neoliberals you know, that Hillary and Obama are, 
very, 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 you know, hawkish. Um, killed lots and lots and lots of people um, offensively. You know, I mean, there's there's no threat and they attack and attack and attack. And, um, you know, uh, another thing, too, is a, a lot of a lot of the um, this is a little bit tangent on the sort of war stuff here. Um, but something that I I've sort of thought about listening back with Obama, um, you know, a lot of, you know, from my perspective, I mean, he, you know, you have Bush with Iraq and Afghanistan and, and certainly Obama inherited that and pretty much just kept the ball rolling. But then under Obama, you know, you saw a lot of countries, governments fall, uh, you know, Libya and Egypt, um, Syria got kicked off. Obviously, you know, this, uh, what's happening in Yemen, the war there. And I think, uh, you know, the way the sort of, media uh portrays it is that there were these or you know I, they used to talk about the arab spring or whatever but i mean the reality is not that right the 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 reality is that in you know a lot of times it's been al-qaeda and the u.s on the side of al-qaeda uh fighting a legitimate you know government like elected leaders and stuff uh in in, in some cases um anyway uh, i i just thought i you know would sort of throw that out there and i guess you know add that to the monster list of topics um is certainly something i would like to do a little more research into to be able to sort of speak more um more sort of with more authority about exactly sort of what went down in all these different places, you know, um, for, you know, for instance, in, in Yemen, you know, uh, the Houthis are Shia. Uh, and so they're, um, aligned with Iran. I, I'm not sure how, how real the alignment is, or if it's just the fact that they're Shia and, you know, we don't want more Shia, control of of areas but we also i think put basically a shia uh government in iraq um you know so the insurgents in iraq was isis because they're sunni but then in syria uh oh no syria was isis as well but in yemen then isis is actually the enemy of the Houthi rebels who were sort of assisting Saudi Arabia to fight against. I mean, I mean, just, you know, listen to me, try to just get through it here. I mean, it's super complicated and crazy. And it's just depending on, you know, which side of a border uh, our troops are on, the same uh, group is either an ally or an enemy. It just matters, you know, which side of this, you know, national line you're on um so it's you know it's super really really messed up and you know obama's hands are covered in blood um but it was much more uh it was done much more quietly and covertly a lot of cia you know work in in sort of training and funding so um anyway i just wanted to sort of 
say that while I was thinking of it because I've thought about it a bunch over you know my, the times when I'm not on the podcast and uh, thought it would be uh, I mean just was something I wanted to sort of mention at least that you know this uh, I've sort of ha- kind of talked about the difference between the sort of Bush and Obama regimes um, and I think that there was definitely a difference in methodology but you know end results you probably say Obama was sort of more effective in the killing and the overthrowing of governments uh, than Bush, honestly. And so anyway, you know, to bring it all back that, you know, Hillary would have definitely kept this going. You know, um, I mean, obviously, Trump has not been great at all. Uh, You know, has supposedly increased drone strikes or whatever. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that voting Trump is meaning you're anti-war, but at least at the time there was reason, you know, he was uh, campaigning as the the candidate that would get us out of the Middle East and how all this stuff is a huge mistake. So, I mean, I at least could say if somebody that voted for Trump, I say, oh, well, you got fooled. But I mean, at least you could believe, I mean, at least there's some, you know, benefit of the doubt you could give them. Whereas somebody voted for Hillary, I mean, there was no, there was absolutely no doubt what, yet that she was going to keep this going and Furthermore, you know, her whole thing was war with Iran, you know, attack. I mean, they were the big, you know, the big enemy, the big enchilada over there. Um, You know, so there's I mean, just so quickly, there's the example of of, you know, the Democrats sort of shifting from this super uh, anti-war thing during the Bush years to just now being the the actual more hawkish of the two parties when it comes to the Middle East. I mean, that is like definitely true. Like they, uh, Hillary was the more hawkish candidate. I mean, is that, I don't know. Isn't that crazy? You know, I mean, and the only way that you can get that to happen is to have actually have no, um, you know, philosophical foundation no actual foundation founding principles foundational principles under these parties um so anyway i that was a thought that i'd had um you know i guess over years of musing about this uh and, and giving the podcast i sort of mentioned that a number of times about the lack of principles and how the libertarian has these principles and it makes us consistent you know we have the we have like the luxury of consistency and every new issue that comes up to a republican or a democrat they have to like look around for cues from their leaders, you know, they because there's just no way to know, you know, are we supposed to be against this war? Are we supposed to be for this war? Are we supposed to just be quiet about this war? You know, um, anyway, so so there is that. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Ukraine, something I haven't talked about. And uh, honestly, I'm not, you know, I. I'm not doing this, you know, professionally, so I've got to kind of pick and choose. And, you know, I, I sort of really been focused on, you know, the Middle East and then just this kind of news coverage. Um, but the Scott Horton show this, uh, I believe it was this past week. Yeah, July 6th, his July 6th episode was Max Blumenthal on Congress welcomes an actual fascist. 
uh, Russia and Ukraine. So here's a here's a little summary. Max Blumenthal is inter- interviewed on the congressional meetings of Andriy Peruby. He's a Ukrainian fascist leader and neo-Nazi. Peruby's connections to Ukraine nationalists, neo-Nazis, and anti-Semitic groups is explored in detail, as is the history of the conflict and especially the U.S.'s role in supporting these groups in Ukraine and the new Ukrainian state's connection with these groups. Max Blumenthal is author of Goliath on the Israel-Palestine conflict and made the documentary Killing Gaza with Ben Norton. Uh, so, um, I I urge you... To listen to this podcast, this episode in particular, I think Scott Horton's awesome. And this July 18th episode of the Scott Horton Show with Max Blumenthal is just, mwah, it's it's perfect. And, uh, you know, um, what you see is you see uh, the same, you know, same shit, uh, different continent, right? So, you know, you see that the U.S. is supporting... Uh, you know, some militant group, they overthrow a democratically elected uh, leader. And I think they've actually done it twice in Ukraine. So I, I don't know, maybe they overthrew, maybe this group like, or, you know, some groups or whatever overthrew this government. And then maybe like Russia helped them get the government back. And then they overthrew it again. I, you know, I don't even know the current state of things. And there, you know, there is a reason that I sort of stay uh, a little bit out of the absolute details because I think the point is to just show the hypocrisy, you know, just just maybe get to the point where it's like sort of obvious lies. And then at that point, like, I don't give a fuck, man. Like, I, I'm not interested in like any more details. All I'm interested in is getting out, is not supporting, you know, violence abroad and not doing violence abroad you know that that that's it man like oh the 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 like sort of really really nitty-gritty details for me aren't that important um but the ones that are important i think particularly in the climate of the u.s right now uh the politically correct like anti-racism you know anti-fascism is uh you know uh Congress <laughs> Congress welcomes an actual fascist as Nazi violence rages in Ukraine. Uh I asked the Washington hosts of Andrew Peruby, the speaker of the Ukraine's par- parliament and founder of two neo-Nazi parties, why they were legitimizing an open fascist at the heart of the extre- extremism plaguing uh plaguing his country. So um, anyway, you know, we can, uh, you know, you can find out more about this. You Google, uh, you know, this. So uh, Andrew Peruby, the spelling is A-N-D-R-I-Y. Peruby is P-A-R-U-B-I-Y. Um, so what's sort of interesting or one of the things I found really fascinating is that so there is a think tank that I guess is works with NATO or for NATO, maybe they're funded by NATO, called the Atlantic Council, and their tagline is working together to secure the future. Um, so they publish articles such as, oh, this is from last year, but why is the Kremlin so fixated on phantom fascists? 
And The Guardian publishes an article, uh, the Ukraine fascist oligarchs and West, Western expansion are at the heart of the crisis. Now, this, this is all the way, that's from 2014. So, you you know, it's like somebody's fucking lying, right? Somebody's lying here. Uh, I mean, there is like, you know, basically if, you know, you, you got the one side saying like, yo, why are we supporting Nazis in Ukraine and fascists? And these are the guys literally like running their government right now. Uh, what did they say he was? Um, uh, Congress who he was Andre uh, Perubi, besides being the proud founder of two Nazi like parties, the Social National Party and the Patriot of Ukraine, he was the Speaker of Ukraine's parliament. So, I mean, you know, he's all the way in. And apparently, you know, how he got there was through um, us, you know, or in, in part us funding him. And uh, also, uh, apparently, Israel is backing this group. So, I mean, you talk about like, I mean, if there is one, you know, of our allies that is the most idealistic as far as like, you know, we are, <laughs> I mean, could there be any government that is more anti-Nazi that is supposed to be at least than the Israeli government? And apparently they support this. And 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 you go through this podcast, there's even other uh, accounts of this. Apparently, like Israel has sided on, you know, the side of Nazis against communism or against communist regimes or whatever a bunch of times, you know, and just like us. And, you know, and here we are again. It's like, well, I guess, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend and Russia is just like our all time enemy. Um, so, you know, and Israel and us are, you know, basically lockstep. Uh, so there you go. But um, I, I also I love the name, the Social National Party and not to na not to be confused with the National Socialist Party, which is the Nazis, the Social Nationalist Party. Um, but anyway, I mean, apparently this. Uh, so uh, so there you go. Right. So, you know, this guy Blumenthal writing for um, The Guardian or. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He's not writing for The Guardian. Um I do not know who Seamus uh, Milne is, but so, you know, you got this guy writing for The Guardian. I mean, this is popular, right? Um, shared 17,000 times, has 700 comments. I mean, this is like, you know, pretty out, out there in the open. And I promise you some fucking opinion uh, or blog post by... Is uh, the... Oh Lord! Uh, so this this guy is Peter Dickinson, uh, who wrote the Atlantic Council uh, article, and he tweets from at Biz Ukraine Ukraine Mag. So he's the business Ukraine uh, magazine publisher or whatever. Anyway, you know he has three thousand followers. I have a Twitter account for his website. I made this more than three thousand followers, and. Uh, 
yeah, why is the don't believe all you read about Ukraine. Why is the international media still repeating Kremlin propaganda? I mean, so, you know, so it's basically got the one side to just like, whoa, you know what I mean? Why are we host like how can, you know, it, I mean, anybody tweets something racist, does anything racist, right? Like the founder Papa John's and some call said the N word. Um, and I'm pretty sure he didn't do it in any sort of derogatory manner. I think he was actually referring to some other person's use of it and he get he has to resign so you know one misstep one use of the word and you've got to give up you know i would assume dude's like a billionaire uh you know built this business i mean one of the most famous brands and boom he's gone you say that word once you're gone this motherfucker this Peruvi dude is an actual killer. It was like an actual Nazi, uh, you know, and people like Blumenthal or Scott Horton. And I mean, this guy, Seamus Mill, I mean, the Guardian, uh, I don't think is uh, conservative. Uh, actually, on that, it's kind of fucking annoying that I pull up this media bias chart. But I guess to give them credit, man, they're the only ones that have tried to really like lay it out in a sort of easy to read way. But that chart that we went over uh, several podcasts ago, according to them, the uh, Guardian's a little bit liberal. I mean, that's really the the main thing I wanted to just see. Um, so that you know, they're certainly not like aligned with Trump in the in the current government or whatever. And you know, well, back then they would have been. I mean, this was written that Obama was in, so, um, I, uh, yeah, but this would have been, so Obama, I mean, this shit is hard to keep track of, man. Uh, so, <laughs> so NATO is pro these fascists or the rebels or whatever, you know, they're behind this because Obama's behind it. So they're all there. And so their stance is that this whole idea of them being fascist uh, or whatever is complete Kremlin propaganda. And uh, and then you have, you know, people like Blumenthal and Scott Horton and stuff. And uh, I mean, they <laughs> I. Uh, you know, we could. uh look more deeply into it but i mean you know the i mean the main thing is it's like you know one side is fucking lying man you know and uh let's see like one side has been responsible you know for the deaths of millions and millions of people in my lifetime based upon lies uh i'm just gonna believe scott horton at this point and you know but i will look into peruby a little bit more and what's going on there um but the what i've dug into is not only are they fascists are they you know neo-nazis have they you know this dude's been on the record they i mean they've had uh recently in their like government buildings they've had like pro hitler like uh sort of archive stuff brought out i mean like 
so I think that the stuff in the U.S. right now is alarmist, but this is like what they're actually afraid of, right? This is what the liberals are afraid of. I mean, I think that the problem with their fear is it's misplaced because I don't see and not a single thing in the history of all of Donald Trump's, uh, you know, archived speaking, writing, thoughts, whatever, actions that have been Nazi at all. You know, there's nothing that he's done. Um, in fact, he's been like a capitalist. Remember, part of like Nazism is the socialism. I mean, they're not this just like pro-free market group. Um, so, you know, he, he anyway, I mean, I th so I think that that's why. I mean, I, I guess that like some of these like, uh, you know, Nazi or what I, I also like the whole fascist thing. I mean, I, I don't know. Fascism seemed like this. I mean, is there really like a group of people in the world that aren't like already dictators that or or aren't already like or stand a massively gain like by being in this inner circle with some, you know, like ridiculous dictator? Are there any people besides that that are honestly like pro fascism? Uh, I, I, I like I've never met a single person. I've met very racist people. I don't know that I've ever met like anybody who was like legitimately like a Nazi or whatever. Um, but I could, I could, you know, believe that, you know, you're racist enough. Then like Nazism is sort of becomes pretty appealing as now the only, uh, you know, cognitive dissonance that you need to get past is that how sometimes how national uh, nationalism and socialism uh, combined are, are good. But, you know, I think that they are just kind of like, well, they're super racist, so that's great for me. Um, so I've met racist people. I've met communists. Yeah, I met lots of libertarians. Uh, I've I've met people that sort of believe in the free market, but basically think that it needs to be like crony capitalism somehow. But I honestly don't think I've ever met a fascist. I I really don't know that that they exist. You know. Um, Except like, you know, you're already a dictator, you know, which I guess is like what they're saying, what Trump wants. I mean, fascism to me is just like a fucking authoritarian dictatorship. Like it, uh, you know, it's not like who even gives a shit what the philosophy behind it? It's fucking stupid. Nobody fucking thinks that that's like a legitimate philosophy. It's just a fucking authoritarian dictatorship. And that's what it is. And like, no matter what dumbass philosophy they're purporting, it's fucking bad, right? Like, we all agree authoritarian dictatorship is bad. I don't care if they have fascist underpinnings or whatever, or communist or socialist, you know, it's always wrong. Anyway, so, uh, but this, this, that really stood out to me. I mean, one thing was my assumption and, uh, you know, maybe I'll come back next week and say, Hey man, I was reading and this Peruby guy's actually a straight shooter, man. He's not a Nazi at all. Uh, I, I have my doubts though. Um, but you know, obviously that, that's just like alarming. Um, I, it's not even alarming, right? It's, it's expected, right? I expect that our government has no fucking scruples at all, and they just, by any means necessary, are going to get done what they want to get done, and they do not give a shit if this motherfucker is a Nazi or not. 
You know, they, this is all about fucking geopolitics with Russia and just fucking with Russia and fucking with Russia. You know, another point they made was, uh, this Blumenthal was making was about how like, you know, one of the things that hardly ever gets considered is just to try like, uh, you know, diplomats or, you know, people in, in the U S government, um, making these decisions. It's like, Never once. It's like, do you, do you ever stop and imagine like, you know, what if, you know, what if Russia like funded some fucking Nazi overthrow of, of like the Mexican government uh, and then was having them in, you know, their Russian parliament or whatever they have to like talk to their, you know, their government. And they were like supporting this, you know, right on the border, you know what I mean? Or Canada or something. Uh I mean, it would be a, you know, they, they were saying, they're like, if somebody tried to like take over cat, I mean, it would just be instant H bomb. <laughs> like we would fucking annihilate them, you know? So, uh, but you know, Russia has H bombs too. So probably not. And, um, but that's a topic for another day, maybe. Um, so anyway, another, uh, point about this and that they made in this podcast, uh, was that it's really important you know, important or, you know, I mean, as little as fucking the Middle East gets in, it does, you know, Syria sort of pokes in around a little bit and there's a lot of like stuff blended in with Russia, you know, um, you know, the point they made here is that actually, you know, the Ukraine is far, far more important to Russia than Syria. Like this is a really, really big deal. And there's some really, really bad shit going on in the Ukraine. And, um, you know, it's almost hard to keep up it. Right. I mean, I'm I'm a 100 percent anti-war. I absolutely want to fucking disband our murderous military and get them out of all these places. Um, and I haven't even fucking mentioned it. I don't think I they admit this podcast may be the first podcast that I said the word Ukraine. Uh, it's possible I mentioned it before, but I mean, it's fucking crazy. Right. You know, so, you know, we've got we're. In a war in Afghanistan, we are absolutely supporting a war in Yemen. And from what I understand, we even do have some troops there. Uh, We're participating in a war in Syria. I believe that we've actually been uh, uh, asked to leave Iraq, so we're not in there. Um, You know, we're in a war. uh, I I don't know if they're like at war right now in Ukraine. you don't exactly know the current state of things, but you know this situation. Uh, I wonder where else uh, we are. Um, you know, I remember at one point, you know, the list was, you know, under Obama, the the list at one point was Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Pakistan, Libya, Egypt, and Yemen, all simultaneously. And I believe there was even. Uh, some on another another maybe African country. I mean that's seven you rattle and then Ukraine, right? We didn't even mention Ukraine. So that's eight rattled off like bam, bam, bam. I I mean it's just it, you know, it's outrageous. It's outrageous and it's not talked about. It's like they just equilibrated uh the the like US populace to being okay with this level of fucking fighting all the time to where you know, it has to be escalated to be to be news. Uh, that's where I think we will leave it for Ukraine. 
uh, right now. Um, uh, definitely a topic I would like to uh, bring up, you know, talk about regularly, like really, you know, maybe every uh, every episode um, that and, and Yemen and, and certainly Syria and whatever else is going on. I mean, you know, it, it's it's kind of funny. I mean, I feel like as um, as much as I rail against all these other things and these distractions, but I mean, it, it, these things sort of do distract from my podcast, right? Like the main <laughs> Thing, I mean, nothing should get in the way of, of any news about the uh, U.S. war and stuff. But I, I, it's like I have this feeling that my audience just isn't going to give a shit unless I, uh, you know, sort of bring in this sort of latest crazy Trump shit or, you know, whatever. Uh, but before I moved on, I did. I figured now I might as well go over antiwar.com um, news real quick. And, um, you know, actually <laughs> the top. Uh, article is actually the next topic I was going to talk about, which is the Mueller indictment of the Russians days before summit. Uh, but the next the next top is U.S. airstrike kills at least 28 civilians in East Syria. U.S. and coalition planes in the eastern Syrian province of D.E.I.R. E-Z-Z-O-R, attacked a village along the Iraqi border, which had some ISIS remnant forces within. Among the strikes was an airstrike against the local ICE factory, which families were hiding out in waiting for the end uh, of the raid. At least 28 civilians and over 30, by some accounts, were killed in the attack and dozens of others were wounded. The Syrian state media reported the U.S. was behind the strike. The U.S. did not contest this assessment. But the spokesperson saying the U.S. coalition forces may have conducted strikes in the vicinity and promised that there would be an assessment at some point regarding civilian casualties. Pentagon assessments of civilian deaths in Iraq and Syria don't have the best track record. In general, the Pentagon report covers about 10% of civilian casualties reported by human rights groups, dismissing everything else as non-credible. And I'd actually looked into this uh, this past week. It's some pretty crazy, um, you know, you, if you look around at, at statistics, they will credit, uh, you know, civilian deaths like it was like 95 percent or something to Assad and the Syrian army um, when I was first sort of looking around. But then as I dug deeper, it's just like I don't know that. Uh, I'm not sure where those numbers are coming from, but there's a lot on the hands of the U.S. and ISIS. Um, so that, you know, it's pretty interesting. Not surprising that, you know, we're we're way, way underreporting. Um, so then uh, we have uh, Israel exchanges a tense fire with Hamas in Gaza and... Um, this was anti-war says the wildest Gaza daytime assault since the 2014 war. Um, this uh, the Israel mili Israeli military carried out its largest daytime airstrike campaign in Gaza since the 2000 war. 14 war on Saturdays, Hamas militants fired dozens of rockets into Israel throughout the day, threatening to trigger an all-out war after weeks of growing tensions along the volatile border. Two Palestinian teenagers were killed in an airstrike in Gaza City. Three Israelis were wounded from rocket that from rocket that landed on a residential home. Um, 
anyway, so that's you know that's great. That's still going on. Uh, bomber kills 128 at a Southwest Pakistan political rally. Uh, not um, you know Pakistan is um, one that's like almost never talked about, but you know we, remember we had troops going in there and nobody knew about that either. The deadliest attack in several years in Pakistan: a suicide bomber detonated at an elect election rally in Mustang in southwestern Pakistan, killing at least 120 people and wounding an estimated 300 others. Among the slain were the candidate for whom the rally was held, Siraj Raisani. Raisani was the head of the Balakistan Awami Party and was among the front runners for the provincial parliament seat. For that region, the deadliest single attack in Pakistan since 2014 school attack in Peshawar, the, Pal- the Pakistani Taliban and ISIS both issued statements claiming credit for the attack. Neither group provided evidence for their respective claims. This is the third attack this week on a target related to the upcoming election. Earlier this week, another... Uh, so there were some others that weren't as big. Uh, so that's Taliban and ISIS, you know, which is... Again, like, you know, let's not forget where, you know, where's all this come from, right? Like, that, you know, Al-Qaeda, ISIS is essentially just, you know, an extension of Al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda, I don't don't even believe this is like in the realm of conspiracy theory anymore, is pretty much accepted that this is like, you know, a creation of the CIA in the 80s. You know, by, um, you know, drumming up uh, all this, uh, you know, the the sort of militant Islamist, uh, 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 radical Islam, you know, stuff in the 80s when Russia was in Afghanistan and, uh, you know, building all these mosques, you know, CIA printing, you know, fucking thousands and thousands or maybe millions of copies of the Koran and really, really radicalizing uh this these these groups and you know that's sort of where you know where this sort of comes from and you know to this day you know it's just like this fucking just violent chaos machine that that the u.s uh intelligence created in the 80s and it's still blowing people up today and then we're using it you know and then we're going back in and fighting it you know or fighting alongside depending on you know where where they are i mean it's just bananas man um but so you know it's all bad it's all bad okay so uh let's move off of this war stuff for now and get into the weird wild world of trump and the media and all this crazy shit um you know it's like our little it's like a little shot of heroin for the day or whatever. Make sure you don't spend too much th- time thinking about your own life and your own problems. Um, so something that I thought was interesting was the last week you we were talking about the um, they were all every every episode was uh, or every episode every news site was you know had something about. The really negative stuff that was happening and um, as far as uh, what North Korea was saying about the Pompeo visit and how we were gangsters and all this was like super duper bad. And like every site had, you know, Huffington Post, whatever, all the same exact thing over and over and over. 
So then um, apparently Pompeo had a letter from Kim Jong-un that he uh, was delivered to him or, you know, was given to him when he left. And it's like super positive. <laughs> and I, you know, I just, I thought it was kind of funny. Um, and so this is, I'm sure CNN buried this fucking somewhere, you know, uh, President Donald Trump re released a letter he recently received from North Korean leader Kim Jong-un and praised the great progress in the talks with Pyongyang amid signs that Kim is violating UN sanctions and little if any evidence of advances. A letter dated, so, you know, Right, like what, any sort of negative thing, they don't give a shit, right? Like they're just going fucking crazy. Like that is the news story, right? The news story is that this person from North Korea said a negative thing about Pompeo in the U.S. in their visit. Like so they can act so, you know, anything to like undermine, you know, the uh, public perception of what's going on in North Korea. But when there is a fucking hand, you know, fucking handwritten letter to the president from their leader, you know, this is like, oh, well, this is just fucking nothing, you know, whatever. We don't, you know, it's like, no, this is actually from their leader, you know, like this is from the top guy. The other thing was from a lesser person. So actually, this carries significantly more weight, right? Like, but they have to just sort of, you know, demean its sort of value immediately, you know, by, oh, it's it, but, you know, while at the same time he's doing this and that. It's like, yeah, but the point is, is that this is in absolute opposition to everything that you were reporting, right? So, yes, you, you could, if you were just honestly reporting that, like, hey, you know, the UN or the, um, you know, the talks and stuff with North Korea are continuing, but, you know, we have seen X, Y, and Z since, you know, their first meeting and, you know, not much progress has been really made. You know, if that was what you were saying, and then Trump comes out and delivers this letter or, you know, uh, releases it and he's trying to say, see, everything's going great. Well, then, you know, you have solid ground to stand on, right? You could say, yeah. I mean, that's nice that there's this nice letter, but, you know, the reality is there hasn't been much progress. Um, and so we're kind of wait and see. But that is even fucking close to what the media has been doing, you know, and it's all of them. Right. I mean, even Fox News was on this shit. Um, I'm sure Fox News was like way more pumped when they had this letter or whatever. But like this is a rebuttal to CNN and Huffington Post and MSNBC, the fucking like 100 just like the series of articles, like a hundred in a row, blasting Trump saying, ah, what a fucking idiot, you know, oh, so stupid, you know, they don't even making progress, you know, they, these, the North Koreans think it's not going well and blah, blah, blah. And it's all based on just the words that the North Koreans said. And so this is a legitimate like rebuttal and it actually completely snuffs out all that stupid shit, but they're not going to admit it. Like, they're saying, oh, well, this doesn't change that there is no evidence of advances, even though my understanding is there is. They actually have moved back. You know, they have given uh, remains of soldiers that they've had forever. 
which, you know, the pieces of shit and fucking reporting in CNN don't care about. But I would imagine if it was like your fucking, you know, uncle or grandfather or father's remains fucking that had just been in North Korea for, you know, all these years and they deliver him back. I mean, that's nice. You know, I mean, I guess it's sort of a small thing, but it's something that they fucking literally wouldn't do before, you know, and they do now. And uh, they um, they moved their. Uh, artillery back, so it's supposed to not even be able to reach Seoul. I mean, how is that not a big deal? It's funny. 20 million people that are now not that that are like now out of reach of the the um artillery. I mean, unless that's changed, I don't know. But anyway, but you know, I think the like the real analysis of this is that what you're supposed to do is say, oh, well, if you were actually like a news organization, not just a fucking, you know, Democrat political organization, if you were a news organization, you would say, well, this comes on, you know, this is sort of counter to what was being said before, but they're not. They're not saying, they don't even fucking mention it. It's this goddamn propaganda bullshit. It's like somewhere in this fucking Machiavelli, Machiavellian handbook or whatever the fuck it is, they've learned that like any mistake, just do not ever admit it. Don't ever admit it. Like only, only say the things that are on your side that benefit you and just don't, you don't lie. You just fucking ignore it. And it's exactly what they did right here, you know, when they say uh, it's praise for great progress and toss Pyongyang amid signs that Kim is violating UN sanctions and little, if any, evidence advances, right? Letter was given, uh, letter was dated, you know, was given to, was dated July 6th and was given to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo's delegation to deliver to Trump while the group was in Pyongyang last week to continue talks on denuclearization. Uh, you, so, uh, a very nice note from chairman Kim of North Korea. Great progress has been made is great progress being made. Trump said in a tweet that also included a copy of the correspondence from Kim eager to provide evidence that talks with North Korea are yielding progress. Trump continues to say that this, his personal chemistry with Kim remains key to achieving diplomatic success amid growing skepticism about Pyongyang's willingness to denuclearize. And, uh, in just the latest sign of difficulty, UN Security, Council, UN Security Council diplomat told CNN Thursday that the U.S. submitted a report to the United Nations North Korea Security Council Sanctions Committee charging North Korea with evading UN sanctions through illegal transfers of refined petroleum at refined petroleum at sea. What? Oh, whatever, refined pitch. Oh my God, they didn't fucking let you know about oil. I thought it was plutonium. Um, I mean, whatever, it gives a shit. Like, so, you know, there's no, oh man, I wish I could remember. I mean, there's just, there's no, there's no like actual evidence for anything they say, right? They just like spout off and spout off and spout off, but. You know, and people fucking think this stuff's true. There was um the uh, another, you know, a podcast I listened to is Jason Stapleton. And uh, he had an interesting podcast this week uh, on the topic was fake news. And it was actually a panel. And I think uh, there was a lot of people. There were people from, I think, like New York Times and CNN and stuff like that. So um, 
it was certainly worth a listen, you know, and, and, you know, one of the things that they sort of admitted was that, uh, um, yeah, it was kind of like, you know, maybe the more like fake news things that, you know, maybe seem more questionable, like Infowars or whatever, you know, you kind of get more crazy. And it was saying that like, yeah, like the difference is like, you know, CNN or New York Times, or whatever, like they're doing a bit more, you know, hardcore like fact check, fact checking, but they're still, you know, uh, controlling or creating a false narrative by only giving out certain facts, and and you know, this is exactly it, right? Like they're not being honest about their own, you know, reporting where. They characterized, you know, they spun up this whole thing for a 24-hour news cycle about how North Korea was completely, like, ready to pull out of these talks. And then, you know, the next day, a letter comes out from Kim, from the leader of North Korea that's just super positive, saying, you know, nothing but positive things about, uh, you know, Trump and negotiations and everything. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... I got, you know, okay, so maybe they had some facts that these words were actually said, but obviously it's fucking not true. Like, it's not true. So uh, let's move on to this Mueller indictment. Um, you know, this, <clears throat> this is why I probably should pull a bunch of articles. Uh, Mueller indicts 12 Russian intelligence officers just days before the summit. Uh, this is... Um, on this is on antiwar.com i guess it's an original article um, by jason ditz the itz on friday special counsel robert Mueller has indicted 12 russian gru officials the 12 are accused of conspiring to hack hillary clinton Hillary Clinton's uh, Hillary Clinton campaign and DNC computers to leak information ahead of the 2016 election. This was the second substantial set of indictments coming out of the investigation. In February, the Justice Department indicted 13 other conspirators claiming that they had stolen the identities of U.S. citizens to manipulate the campaigns Russia had denied. Russia has denied all the charges. Why indictments aren't surprising as a chance to try to show that the investigation is progressing. The timing is extremely unfortunate to the point that it must raise suspicions. The indictment, after all, comes just days before President Trump is, is to hold a summit with Russian President Vladimir Putin. Uh, Putin. Trump uh, was already facing bipartisan opposition to having a summit with Putin at all. Based on the allegations of election meddling, the indictments are adding fuel to the fire, sparking more calls for opponents of diplomacy to pull out of the summit at the last minute. Senator Mark Warner, Democrat from Virginia, demanded substantial changes to the summit, saying that complaining to Putin about the indictment needs to be the focus of the entire summit and that Putin and Trump should never be allowed alone in the room <laughs> during the meeting. Warner was one of the few to not call for the talks to be canceled outright with Senator Chuck Schumer saying the meeting needed to be canceled now. And that Senator Ron Wyden saying that even shaking Putin's hand would be a moment of historic cowardice. Of course, 
these lawmakers were all attacking the summit long before these indictments dropped, and this simply is the new excuse for opposing the plan. With the growing sense that Mueller investigation is designed to just keep going, there is no concern it's going to keep being used. There is also concern that it's going to keep being used as a source of excuses to not talk to Russia. So, um, yeah, so that's right. So there's, uh, you know, a few big kind of like overarching topics that I, I kind of think are um, sort of just driving uh, this kind of neocon, neoliberal, whatever, like ever since they... I, I mean, I don't know if there's a time they haven't taken over the government, but in my lifetime, you know, like, I mean, I think Ronald Reagan was basically part of it, you know, and, uh, you, you know, whether or not he was a good guy or not, they got kind of just like taken by them. I don't know. But um, Reagan, you know, was fighting communism and then, you know, and then, you know, we started battling in the Middle East. And, you know, the two to me, like the two big goals are um you know, uh, take out Iran, get real control of the Middle East. And then the other goal is, I, you know, I don't think it's about, you know, fighting Russia or taking over Russia. And, and you know, bear with me. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of talking out of my ass a little bit here. Um, but I, you know, I've been alive for 41 years and, you know, Russia has been a boogeyman for 41 years. I mean, I think there was a little bit of time after the wall came down, um, the uh, Berlin Wall, you know, that, that there was some time they were out, you know, and that's when they really ramped up <laughs> the, uh, you know, stuff in the Middle East. Uh, but, you know, Russia is back, man. Russia is this boogeyman. And um, I mean, it's just crazy, you know, the um, I mean, like the the retrospective of the Cold War is that Russia was just it's such a uh, a minor force compared to the u.s uh now i mean again granted like having nukes is a great leveler of the field but you know there's a lot of a lot of a lot of countries have nukes you know i mean it's not just russia and um i mean fucking pakistan has nuclear weapons you know what i mean like who's like are, are you you feel better about that or do you feel better about Russia having nukes? Um, I mean, you know, their GDP is a fucking fraction of the U.S. Like their military expenditure is a fraction of what we spent. The whole world combined doesn't equal to what we spend. Uh, and not that that just directly converts into, you know, military prowess. And certainly a armed conflict with Russia would be crazy. Um, but, you know, when you look at it, where is all the offense coming from? It's coming from the U.S. Like, is there, you know, is is Russia in Mexico? You know, is Russia in fucking Canada? No, but is the U.S. in the Ukraine? Yeah, you know, like we're all around them. We have bases all around Russia. You know, uh, I mean, there's, there's absolutely no doubt that which country is the aggressor. There is no doubt about it. You know, I mean, they want to make Putin this boogeyman and, and it's fucking bullshit. I mean, and again, I'm not saying he's not a bad guy, you know, but it's like, but we're worse, you know, and like, I mean, at some point, you know, it's like, why don't we see how bad he is when we stop fucking with them, you know, but, you know, we, 
you know, this was a big thing with Hillary, like the two big things with, with the Hillary sort of Trump, at least from, you know, my world, from the libertarian world was, okay, they're both probably the same, but it really feels like, you know, Hillary could lead us in the like war with Russia. Hillary definitely is going to lead us in the war with Iran. Uh, and neither one of those things do we want to be around for, you know, um, and Trump, although it was like, you know, it's sort of doubtful if I'm really going to like believe in this guy in any sort of way, but he at least represented an outside chance of, you know, things not getting worse. And, you know, as I would say in the Middle East, he's been pretty bad. Uh, you know, they and, and numbers, it does seem like the, the casualties from drone strikes has gone up. Um, but I also feel like things in Syria are better uh, than they were before Trump was here. We've, you know, I mean, there we did see this attack uh, that we just read about. But for the most part, I mean, it's I would say the U.S. is kind of backing out of Syria and Assad is going to have control again and they're going to have a government and. I mean, I and uh, the, uh, you know, obviously stuff in Yemen has not gotten any better. Uh, stuff in Afghanistan has not gotten any better. We're not in Iraq. So I guess, the, you know, that's just like a mess we left. But I um, we're, I we're probably funding like ISIS and then they're attacking in Iraq. I don't know. Uh, but we'll you know, I'm sure we'll find that out in a few years. Um so, you know, I, I mean, the Middle East is a mixed bag, I guess. Uh, and we certainly haven't attacked Iran, so that's good. But, I mean, um, we did remove those uh, that deal, so that's bad. I mean, it's, it's kind of bad, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, as far as worse, I mean, than what was happening to Obama. Uh, but it's a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, I, I think this sort of moving out of Syria, particularly with like the Russian involvement in it, is is pretty interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, and so now so you have that and then, you know, and then, you, you know, you have this just like. I don't know, to me, like, I don't think anybody was predicting in 2016 when Trump got elected that he was going to have a face-to-face -face fucking meeting with Kim Jong-un. I mean, that's just fucking mind That was mind-boggling, right? He was talking shit. He was, like, calling them names. And, uh, you know, that was, like, a big thing. That was, like, the whole one, one of the big attacks, besides him being Russian, or, sorry, besides him being racist, uh, was that he was, like, this foreign policy nightmare. Like, he was just going to go crazy around the world and start all these wars, right? And I never believed that, right? Like, that... I thought that it's possible he could be worse, whatever. Like, I felt like the worst case scenario is he's just like a neocon puppet or like, you know, whatever. Uh, and, and the status quo would just continue. I mean, that's what we've seen over and over and over, right? You know, um, Obama being the absolute, like, most stark example of a person saying one thing and doing the absolute opposite. And so I thought, well, you know, I mean... What do, you, what do you say? Maybe there's a 10% chance he's not going to do that, uh, but 90% chance that, it, you know, he's going to proceed on. And I would say, like, you know, kind of like sitting down with Kim Jong-un and possibly removing this guy as, like, another one of our, like, boogeymen out there. 
I mean, that would be great. And then, and sitting down with Putin, like I, these, these senators like this, uh, you know, Chuck Schumer and Roy Wyden. I mean, he's Democrat. Like, how do you not want dialogue? Like these fucking pieces of shit want war. I mean, that's what they're about. And they're Democrats, right? And it's like we just come for, sort of for, full circle. You know, like the Democrats are supposed to be, right? They're the liberals. They're supposed to be the ones that want peace and want to talk to everybody. And there's diplomatic solutions. And these motherfuckers are like, want this canceled at all costs. And I think that that last paragraph was like, was was really important was the one that it's like yes like they are jumping on this election thing and he's an indictment saying oh well he should you know because of this now you should cancel but you already were saying this should be canceled like you're just taking whatever falls in your lap and saying no now this now this now this but the you know of course these lawmakers were all attacking the summit long before these indictments dropped so you know that's the key point is that you know the, to cancel this summit because of the some indictments came down, you know, and you know, I, to me, it's just it's this like Russia boogeyman, uh, which you know, throughout the Cold War, while there was no actual U.S. versus Russia mano a mano fight. There were a lot of wars. I mean, including the Vietnam War, right? I mean, that is a result of the Cold War. That is all about, you know, communism. And also the, um, you know, all the stuff in Central America and South America in the 80s. I mean, that's that's kind of when I was first growing up. So, you know, again, you know, again, like I'm not giving these guys the benefit of the doubt. You know, I'm not giving Schumer the benefit of the doubt. I'm not giving CNN the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I mean, I'll check up some of this stuff. You know, I'll check and and read about it and see, you know, at some point I'll read what these, you know, actually are. But I'm pretty sure that the NSA is hacking the shit out of Russia right now at this very moment. Just constantly trying to break into their systems. You know, like, it's just fucking hackers are all over the place. And, you know, it's still, it's just, it's, I mean, it's, I guess it sort of like serves multiple purposes, right? Number one, it serves to like delegitimize the Trump uh, win, right? Which, uh, you know, I I just like, I just don't get how this Russian hacking is the thing. Like, I mean, didn't Facebook at one point say that they had maybe $100,000 spent and then this, you know, Hillary stuff. I mean, the thing is, is like, yeah, okay. Like, let's even say that it was a Russian hack, right? But there was like real shit in these emails. You know what I mean? And like her fucking email servers, you can find examples of people that were like at the same time fucking put in prison for far less than what Hillary said. But because she didn't have intent, that's what that's what they said. But for using private email servers for like uh, top or, you know, classified or top secret stuff. Because their intent was not distributed, it's okay. Which actually is not how the law, that's not how the law was written. The law, I mean, there's no thing in the law about intent mattering, right? I mean, maybe it gets you a more lenient sentence, but it wouldn't say that, like, guilty or not guilty. I mean, this woman, like, broke the law and, 
you know, the FBI didn't give a fuck. Right. So uh, but I think it's, just, you know, so it's like this combination of they, they've sort of tied Trump to Russia and it gives them two things. It makes them, you know, allows them to start building, keep building Russia up as the boogeyman. I mean, because they got a long way to go to get them to the levels that Russia was. I think a lot of people still sort of look at Russia as like, well, you know, Putin seems crazy, but we're like way more powerful, you know, whereas like when I was little. You know, it was a little bit in question. Like we wanted to believe that we were we were really the best country in the world and the most powerful and everything. But we still kind of like worried that maybe Russia was more powerful than us. I mean, I don't think anybody has that, you know, illusion right now. But, you know, they're just they're just ramping it back up. I mean, how long did the Cold War last for? I mean, it started in the 50s, right? 50s into the 90s. You know, I mean, it's like 40 years of of just fucking propaganda to like build up the military industrial complex and to fight all these fucked up wars and destroy all these other countries, right? Like what we just did in the Middle East in the last like 20 years or whatever, you know, we did that in, in South America and Central America throughout the 80s and I guess the early 90s, you know, just destroying fucking millions and millions of people's lives, like by directly killing them, by putting fucked up governments, like taking out like, oh, so they were sort of like left leaning liberals or whatever. So fucking literally murder their leaders and take them out and install some like fucked up dictator. You know, that's how we rolled. I mean, it's. <laughs> it, it's just such awful shit man and it's like you know i don't know what else you do like I, I mean for us for the people that are listening to this thing the fucking tiny little audience just don't fucking vote for them right like do not vote for anybody that isn't absolutely out front like up front as an anti-war candidate do not vote for anybody but that that's the big first step you know just fucking draw a line in the sand that it's like, you're done. You will not do it again. Fuck this throwing away your vote bullshit because both sides are on the same side, right? Like Democrat and Republican are on the same team. They're on team fucking military industrial complex or whoever these fucking pieces of garbage that are behind these vampires that are like just... just fucking stacking all their money based off of this and you know growing their power and i mean i you know i don't even know who cares like it doesn't matter like i don't care why they're doing it it's just gotta stop being done like i don't really need to know why a guy is like wants to kill or is like about to break into a house to kill like somebody after he's killed you know and broken into 10 other houses on the block and i you know what i mean like is it really matter do we really want to sit around and debate this guy's state of mind and figure out like you know or maybe just stop giving him guns you know stop supporting him like i mean it's like that that's the thing it's beyond you know i mean it's not just that we're not just sitting there watching this happen we're fucking making it happen we're giving him like more guns we're giving him you know security codes to get in we're telling him when the kids are going to be asleep so you can be sure to wreak the most havoc you know that's that's the us's role that's their foreign policy and that's what these fucking pieces of shit like Chuck Schumer, who is a Democrat, a Democrat, you know, that's what they, that's what they want, you know? 
They are fucking so pissed off that Donald Trump is going to sit down with Putin and have a conversation with him because they don't want that. They need the new boogeyman. They know that like the Middle East is probably going to run out after a while or they'll just have totally conquered it. So, you know, on the new things. Right. And what CNN got going on today? America is literally under attack. U.S. Intel chief compares the growing warnings of Russian cyber attacks to warnings before 9-11. So now they're claiming that Russia, right, what does that headline mean, right? This is the top headline on, I guess, the most read newspaper or news source in the United States. America is literally under attack. And the reference is the 9-11. I feel like if 3,000 people were killed today in the U.S. at the hands of Russia in the U.S., I probably would have heard about it. That's what literally would mean. That literally, that 3,000 people were killed today, right? Next, uh, next headline, DHS Secretary Russia continues to view... U.S. elections, a target of cyber attacks. Putin looms for Trump after reality-bending visit with allies. Ex-Fox News analyst Putin has devoured Trump. Ex-Fox News. Trump criticized Obama, not Russia, for Russia meddling. Ex-CIA director. Probe will bring a widening circle of indictments. Trump refuses question from Jim Acosta. Who gives a fuck? I'm sure Jim Acosta is a total piece of shit. Uh, Trump is criticized for a stroll with the queen. Trump walked with the queen like wandering up and down a golf course. Oh, so he didn't walk right. Protester paraglides over Trump, gets away. Watch protester paraglide near Trump. Melania, it's the Trump sticking to the script. Is the Trump sticking to the script? I don't even know what that means. Um, anchor calls out Trump time to make truth known New York governor blasts spending to detain children they still got that trickle still going Paul Ryan says woodchucks ate his car alright I'm clicking don't underestimate the damage a few hungry rodents can inflict even on something as inedible as an SUV. During an event hosted by the Economic Club, Washington, D.C., Speaker Paul Ryan said his Chevy Suburban was gnawed on by a, fa a family of woodchucks. My car was eaten by animals, and it's just dead. As a top... Congressional official with a Thursday detailed chauffeur, Ryan says he hasn't driven in three years, so while his he isn't using his car. He says he keeps it at his mother's house. According to Ryan, every month she revs up the Suburban. Uh, just to make sure it works. Recently, after driving home, trip to Florida, it was dead. So I towed it to the dealer. They put it up and they realized that family of woodchucks lived in the underbody of Suburban. Looks like Ryan, Ryan's going to have to get a new car before he retires at the end of the year and has to start driving himself. Ryan said his eye on a Ford pickup. He also said he renewed his license, so barring any more woodchuck encounters, he'll be ready to hit the road. This is fucking nonsense. I mean, I'm not even sure what the reason for it is. I guess just to make him look like an idiot. Uh, 
yeah, I mean, he definitely didn't say, right? So, I mean, that's like Paul Ryan says Woodchucks ate his car. He didn't say that. So I don't get, I don't get this whole like how fake news doesn't apply to CNN, right? They're fucking lying. That's a lie. We're not literally under attack. That's a lie. Uh, and then everything else, everything else. And it's crazy, man. I mean, you, you, pull, pull this one up too. This Jason Stapleton, uh, Jason Stapleton um, podcast. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you this, this one as well. Uh, it was from July 13th, episode 810 is fake news rewiring our brains. So, you know, check that out. Um, this is interesting. You know, they, they just flat out admit that they absolutely just selectively only publish anti-Trump stuff, that they're not a legitimate, right? That's not a legitimate news organization. That's a fucking political propaganda organization. I mean, that's what CNN is. That's what MSNBC is. That's what Huffington Post is. And then that's what Fox News is, right? Um, and the reason that people are so freaked out about the liberal media is because three of the top four are all fucking on the Democrat side and they're, but you know, doesn't that make sense? Right? Like that we got to keep the 50, 50 balance. And right now the Republicans have like more control. So, you know, they got to keep this going. Um, so I don't know if I want to get into these other things. I had this Papa John's thing, uh, Papa John's chairman Shatner quits in a racial slur fallout. Papa John's founder and executive chairman John Shatner resigned Wednesday following a public apology for using a racial slur on a conference call in May. The pizza stock surged more than 10% Thursday, erasing some of its heavy losses from Wednesday. Um, so I guess when they first heard about it, its stock tanked and then it went up when he resigned. Um Shares of Papa John surged more than 10% Thursday morning following the resignation of John Shatner on Wednesday. Apologized for using a racial slur on a conference call. Uh, let's see if we can just get to what he actually said. Um... Racism has no place in our society. Papa John's founder apologizes for using the N-word in a conference call. Papa John's founder, uh, ba ba used an N-word. Jesus, I gotta go like deeper and deeper <laughs> to get this. So Papa John's controversial controversial founder reportedly uses the N-word on a conference call about the change response to the NFL's national anthem protests. Um I don't know why this dude is controversial, but uh, I've never heard a single controversy about him. He's super weird looking. That's all I know in his ads. A marketing agency reportedly moved to cut ties with Papa John's after the pizza chain's controversial founder, John Shatner, used the N-word in a conference call. Papa John's executives and marketing agency Laundry Service held a conference call in May in an attempt to prevent further controversy for the brand. Forbes reports last year... Papa John's faced backlash when Shatner blamed the NFL and players' national anthem protests for subpar sales. Wow, that's so controversial. On the May call, Shatner was asked how he would distance himself from racist groups online, a source told Forbes. He responded by downplaying the significance of his NFL statement. Colonel Sanders calls blacks, and this is where he says ends, 
Uh, his N-word use, Shatner allegedly said, before complaining that Sanders never faced publish, public backlash. Shatner also reportedly discussed his early life in Indiana, where a source told Forbes he used... He said people used to drag African Americans from trucks until they died. Uh, okay. I, okay. I mean, that's not. If, I mean, if that happened, I, I, I'm not. I think it would be more racist to pretend it didn't happen. I mean, why? What is racist if that's where you like grew up and you saw that? Um, how they would diss himself. He responded by downplaying the significance of it. So, so he blamed the NFL and the players. So not racist, right? He didn't blame the players. He blamed the NFL and the players for a decline in sales. And there was a, this is an absolutely was a, a discussion point last year was the NFL ratings in general were down. And this is like the first time fucking, you know, ever in a long time. NFL has been on an amazing winning streak. And people theorize that maybe it's all this national anthem stuff. Not saying one side or the other. It's just the general topic of it. You know, it's going to rub somebody the wrong way. You're either like pro or against it, but it's like a really divisive uh you know, topic or whatever. And so, you know, the NFL sort of like kind of, kind of got pulled into this politics. And so, I mean, unless the, I mean, this is their own article. So, you know, unless their own article is wrong, it says he blamed the NFL and the players. So that is not racist. So then how would he distance himself from racist groups? And he responded by downplaying the significance of his statement, which seems fine because, it was about the NFL and the players. And, and Colonel Sanders called blacks and um I I'm not totally sure. I think he's just saying, hey, look, Colonel Sanders said, I don't like what the fuck is he talking about? I don't know. It doesn't even make sense. Anyway, the guy said the N-word. Um and he has to literally give up his company. As he said the N-word one time. But we're you know, our government, fucking Schumer, right? These fucking piece of shit Democrats are like fucking hosting this fucking neo-Nazi leader from the Ukraine. But, you know, you say the N-word and you got to lose your company. And so let's end it on this, on this, this idea. Let's end today's podcast on this idea. So let's look at the difference between the state and private business. These state, uh, you know, these congressmen talk all the time about, you know, social justice and minorities and racism. And they accuse Trump of being racist. And, you know, they're absolutely leading the charge. And then all of them together are hosting actual neo-Nazis that have actually killed people. Um, then in the, right, and not, nobody says shit. Nobody fucking cares. The media, you know what I mean? Like, they're definitely keeping their jobs. You know, they're going to get elected again. 
you know, and then they're going to, you know, continue this the way they've been going. The owner and founder of a, a you know, a pizza chain, one of the largest in the country, says, uh, reportedly says the N-word once on a conference call with a marketing company that they're a part of. And he has to resign and give up his company instantly. He just in- instantly he's gone, right? And people, uh, there was another thing. Um, I remember the uh, the leader of uh, the leader. Uh, I don't know what he, his, his role, uh, title was, like the president or whatever of the. Um, I think it was the Mozilla Foundation. And so Mozilla is this like free open source software uh, thing. They brought you Firefox. I'm sure you've heard of that. So they, you know, this browser and they do all, they make all this software and stuff and they're like an open source, you know, thing, whatever. And I guess they charity donations or whatever, but certain they're they're not a government agency. They're just like a private company. And I think they're a nonprofit. It came out that he, the president or whatever had donated to, uh, some like anti-gay marriage um, foundation or something. And this is right around when like a lot of these vote voting was happening in, in California. And the dude was out like that, man. The motherfucker was jettisoned immediately, right? And that's the thing, like, you know what I mean? And people want to question like, which works better? You know what I mean? Like that's, but you know, one of the ways you can think about it is like, do you think that it is, you know, better uh, or you get more response voting with dollars or voting in some, you know, actual like election setup like we do. Uh, we talked about it either last episode or the one before about, you know, Dave Smith's uh, comments about like that, uh, you know, it's like this idea that, you know, that that there's this this like democratic process and, and you know, we're involved in it and it is, is a sham, right? I mean, we are left at the whim of Donald Trump for the next four years. And you're like, whoever voted Schumer in, well, all of us are, right? I didn't even vote him in. Um, but Schumer, you know, we're at the whim of people like that. You know, like once they're in, they're de- they are like dictators. But, you know, the guy, if I can owner of Papa John's, cruising for years and years and years and years, makes one mistake and he's out instantly he's instantly out you know and that's because that's like what people want and they're afraid that if they leave him in people are going to start fucking boycotting their brand and they're going to lose so much money you know and it's not about like oh like this one rich guy right the one rich guy versus the people loses instantaneously in the free market you know um and i'm not saying the dude i mean he's still got money and shit but he's out He's fucking out. So uh, anyway, um, that's the uh, that's the deal with that. And and you know, on one other one other closing sort of semi-related thought, uh, you know, I've heard and and I don't know if I can, I don't know if I remember um, if this is exactly how it's phrased, but you know. Uh, it, people, the sort of new counter to the idea of like, well, you know, they'll say, oh, Trump fired rockets into Syria. And then, um, you know, we, you know, somebody else will say, well, you know, what about Obama? Like he did this and that. And they'll, they'll, they'll say, oh, it's not about that. It's like, you know, it's, it's about like what's going on now. And like, as it like, that's not a valid 
um, you know, excuse or whatever. I don't, I don't know. Like they're living in the present or something. So um, to me, I think uh, that it is valid because you're talking to people that were voting for Hillary Clinton. And so they would have kept this going. I mean, it is quite literally like, you know, she would have kept that still going. And so to me that it is uh, pretty valid, you know, like I think that you can bring up Obama's track record and say, well, you know, it's not as a bad, not as bad as, uh, you know, Obama or if Hillary was in like all this fucked up, you know, immigration stuff would be going on. Right. Like a pa- I, I still have to read again a little bit more like as I've heard a couple times that like. Obama now wasn't separating children. Um, so maybe we can go back into that. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I've seen pictures of kids in cages that were from the Obama time. I mean, there's fucking pictures. And then there's big pens. And they were all kids in there. So I don't I don't know where their parents are. Um, so, you know, that that's a little bit, uh, you know, to, to me like that, you know, that that argument that you can't bring up Obama, I mean, then just say, well, Hillary would have been, you know, kept all this up. So, you know, it's, you know, it's better now. Like Hillary certainly wouldn't be talking to Kim Jong-un. So Hillary certainly wouldn't be talking and sitting down with Putin. Hillary certainly wouldn't have been pulling us out of Syria. And Hillary, uh, the only thing you could say is she would have probably kept us in the Iran deal Maybe. I don't know. But she was super anti-Iran, too. So, you know, I don't know. Um, yeah. So so I guess uh, we will wrap it up there. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, uh, you can reach out. I'm Patrick J. Bradley. And uh, on Facebook, I uh, search for the Whistling in the Dark podcast. Um, you can also go to facebook.com slash Patrick Bradley, no hope, but please, uh, please like, like the page, follow it, you know, follow me on Twitter. Um, Twitter, I don't, I don't do as much sort of political stuff, but I don't know, you know, maybe I'll change or maybe I'll make a specific Twitter account for the podcast. Uh, I'm not sure, but, um, I was, I'd been sharing some stuff. So like, you know, if you were on following the Facebook page, uh, you know, you might've seen some of these articles sort of leading up to, uh, uh, to the weekend podcast. And if I keep having to kind of just do it on the weekends, um, you know, I'll, I'll try to get more content out, you know, on the Facebook page, um, just to kind of, you know, sort of keep it going, you know, maybe make a little bit of commentary on the, um, on the news as as it's coming out uh but that's all i got and uh have a great weekend or rest of the week whenever you listen to it and i will talk to you guys soon